Hey, what's up, everyone? We're back with the Sons of Sequoia podcast, our ninth episode. SOS 9. And today's episode is Movie Tuesday. Uh, on Tuesdays, we like to talk about movies. We watched a movie yesterday evening. That movie was The Naked Gun. What did you think of it? It was ridiculous. Ridiculous? <laughs> I think it, it was, was classic. It reminded me of the Three Stooges, but it was sillier. <laughs> I think the Three Stooges were dumb, but this was silly. <laughs> well, it's a 1988 film by the Zucker Brothers, directed by David Zucker. And uh, I don't know, I, I think that it holds a special place in my heart because I was a little kid when I saw it. And it was really funny. And I think what I remember <laughs> most, because I loved baseball as a kid, was the scenes where he's the umpire. Oh, yeah. That was great. It was really funny. So re-watching it, I still love the scenes where he's the umpire. <laughs> um, but uh, the rest of the movie's pretty funny. And I, what I like about it is it doesn't challenge you, like you said yesterday. I'm not going to have any bad dreams or be thinking about this tonight. No, I've, I've had movies. I'm still thinking about some of the movies I watched uh, last couple of months, you know, mm -hmm. that are that are impactful, that are profound. Uh, this movie uh, is not profound. <laughs> but would you say that it's entertaining? Oh, it was to me. It was entertaining. It was just a reason to laugh and a reason not to think. Just sit there and say, "What are they going to do next?" Oh my goodness, they just did that, and you laugh. <laughs> it's just a laugh track. I mean, I bet they they they. That's how they create laugh tracks, you know, because you're going to laugh. It's just it's dumb. Mm -hmm. But they made it, I mean, uh, they made it a love story, you know? Well, they yeah, they had drama in there, and they had a love story, and they had... A mystery uh, he had to solve? Mystery. I mean, I guess it's not really a mystery. They knew who the bad guy was. You see who the bad guy was in the opening scene when O.J. Simpson, which is a funny... Nope. O.J. Simpson's in this movie. Uh, gets shot in the opening scene. You see that Ricardo Montalban is the bad guy. Mm -hmm. You didn't know how he's going to do it. So there was a mystery and drama. and But it it was not a mystery movie. It was not a drama <laughs> movie. It was it was something that they did just to uh, uh, to have silly... Uh, Silly jokes from one after one after the other. Yeah, that's true. Wow, what have I done? You're sending me something. Yeah, I sent you a chat. Um, it's just the IMDb page for the movie, so you okay. can. Um, but one thing that I watch, looking back on it, you know, watching it with fresh eyes. Uh. It's interesting to me, there's not too many movies where the leading man and the leading lady are middle-aged. You ever notice that? That's true. Yeah. And and, uh, and you said it. You said, oh, Priscilla Presley's pretty good. Um, Elvis Presley's wife is the female lead, Pr Priscilla. Um, she was pretty good. I thought she did a good job. Yeah. And you don't see her in much. I'm looking at her IMDb page. 
Um, yeah, she did all three Naked Guns. They made three of them. I actually right. recently rewatched the second one because it was leaving Amazon Prime. Oh yeah, and also this uh, the first one's on Netflix. If you want to check it out and you're listening to this podcast, and uh, um, the second one stinks. <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't feel like they captured the magic of the first one in the second one, and then I kind of remember the third one being even worse, but I haven't seen that one since it came out. And I'm, and I ask myself, like, was the third one really bad, or was like at twelve years old or thirteen years old, was I too old for that type of comedy? <laughs> had I outgrown it? Like, as a thirteen-year-old, my taste had become so refined that I didn't find the Naked Gun as funny as I once did. That's a possibility too, right? That's a possibility. Well, for sure, it wasn't deep it's not <laughs> I, I didn't see the others but uh the one i saw was not deep that's for sure i i also think the first one is it's novel it's it's a send-up of the cop movies you know he's chasing down the bad guy he's got a female lead it's like a film noir almost um and it's funny but then when you go back when you sort of keep getting water from that well you've already seen it once so it's difficult to, um, yeah. it's difficult to just keep going back to that place and continually be entertained. The movie was an hour and twenty five minutes, and that was about exactly as long as it should have been. <laughs> yeah, actually, it a lot of it reminded me. Uh, some of the slapstick stuff reminded me of uh, the Pink Panther. Because a lot of the Pink Panther movies were that way, mm -hmm. just kind of like silly jokes. But the Pink Panther, their jokes were spread out. This one, every scene had like five or six. That's true. <laughs> I, I kind of like that about it, though, because you know what you're getting. It's unapologetic. And there's no schmaltzy like emotion. Every scene, they don't take it seriously. And I kind of like the commitment to that. Well, when it when there is a little bit of seriousness, it's immediately followed by something that's that's uh, a joke and, mm -hmm. and slapstick, you know, almost immediately. And uh, so it's kind of like uh, you, you're never allowed. Uh, you, you, there's not enough time uh, to have the drama or to have the the love interest or anything. Uh, because uh, they start and then boom, there's a joke. They start the boom. It's kind of like all the other types of genres were set up for their for their uh, uh, very slapstick humor. Mm -hmm. And and so, and like you said, then you expect it. Okay, okay, now now okay, okay, now they're they they they're getting close to one another. Now what's going to happen? You know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I I kind of feel like you can rewatch it and see where there are jokes I missed. Because there's a hundred jokes in every scene. There are little sight gags and stuff that you might, like, if you don't pay attention for one second, you might miss something. And it's not like a profound joke. It's silly, but it's it's funny. Well, there's stuff. You'll have a joke in the foreground, and in the background, there'll be something happening. Mm -hmm. So there'll be two at the same time, or two or three. And so you go, oh, the next time, next time you watch it, you've seen the the... the the joke in the in the foreground, 
Then all of a sudden you see the joke in the background. Oh, look, look what they're going on over there. Look what that guy's doing over there. Look what that, look what's happening up there. So it's kind of like uh, uh, so, sometimes overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> so much of it. And so I get, I don't know, maybe they meant to do that, but that they put so much stuff in there. I think they had a group of people that said, okay, everyone has to come up with 10 jokes. We're going to cram <laughs> this in a 30-second skit. <laughs> like, whereas other comedy movies, it's like, how do we tell the story and how do we make it funny? Um, and you, you sort of pick and choose your spots. I, I do think you lose some comedy by basically doing the shotgun approach or the machine gun approach. Like, we're going to just fire comedy bullets nonstop, and you sort of lose some of that timing and nuance. You miss some jokes. But Leslie Nielsen is always serious. I mean, he, he's, he's dead serious about what he's doing, you know? And mm-hmm. Priscilla Presley, he's, she's dead serious about what she's doing. And Ricardo Maltabon, serious about it. So they're all serious, and it's not about the actors. It's about the, uh, the writers. Uh-huh. <laughs> And the producers. Um, I forgot to play the theme song. Oh, okay. Should you want to hear it? Yeah, I do. It's time for movie Tuesday. All right, got that out of the way. Now we're officially <laughs> on board. <laughs> now you're gonna really start talking about the movie. Now we're official. Um, yeah, I mean, and you you immediately said, I said, yeah, Naked Gun, it's the silly send-up of police movies. You're like, oh, is it like, don't call me Shirley? And it's funny because you didn't know this, but that's the Zucker Brothers, too. And um, let me pull up the Zucker Brothers. Oh, I looked, because yeah, like, you said... Uh, I guess it's Shirley, it says, for those who don't know, uh, Shirley, you jest. I do not jest, and don't call me Shirley. Yeah, Shirley... That's what I remember. Like, Leslie surely you Nielsen. can't be serious. Like, I am serious. Is that it? Yeah, and don't okay. call me Shirley. Yes. Okay, so, Airplane, let me see. I want to see their filmography. Okay, I never really saw a Kentucky Fried movie. I think I might have back in the day, but but then, um, Airplane was, I think, their first, I think Kentucky Fried movie might have been like an independent type thing, but then Airplane was their first comedy. And I watched that recently, too. And it's funny, but I think it's less funny because it doesn't have the nostalgia element for me. Like, I saw Naked Gun when I was a little kid. And I remember thinking it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. Now, as an adult, I realize this isn't high art. It's, But it's funny. It's still funny. It still holds up. Um, and a lot of those jokes, like, I'm sure they went over my head as a kid, but, you know, wiping the port wine bursting off of Mikhail Gorbachev's forehead and... Uh, you know, in the opening scene, it's like, that's stupid. I'm sure that I didn't get that. And he said, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> so the funny thing about the uh, the Zucker brothers is they basically um, didn't change. They did the parody type movie for their whole careers. So they did Airplane, they did The Naked Gun, they did uh, An American Carol, which is like a send-up of a Michael Moore movie. Hmm. Um, And uh, Scary Movie, he did some scary movies. Hmm. I'm sure. Those scary movies are... Oh, go ahead. 
If it was a scary movie, I'm sure it w- I'm sure it wasn't that scary. No, it's the scary. It's called Scary Movie. It's like it takes. I don't um, know if you remember in the '90s. Oh, it takes I remember that. Yeah. All the scary movies that were coming out at the time, it does a parody of them. I see. Yeah, I remember the the movie. I didn't see it, but I remember that the scary movie. Mm-hmm. Was, uh, uh, no thanks, you know. I remember um, an American Carol. Uh, it's a, it's a, the, the guy plays basically a Michael Moore avatar and talking about how bad the America is, you know, because that's like that's the line, you know, like Michael Moore, the, the conservative psych, it's like Michael Moore hates America. So he takes all these people that are sick down to Cuba to get health care. And it's like, they can get healthcare here, but they can't get healthcare in America. Come on, everyone, let's go back to America. And then all these Cubans are like, you're going to America? We want to come. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was like the most clever part of American Carol. It's like, yeah, they might have healthcare down there, but that doesn't mean their lives are better. Or that they, would, that they wouldn't come to Cuba if they had the chance. That was the point they made. And it's like, that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this movie was uh, was uh, interesting to watch. It was fun to watch. It was entertaining, like we said before. And uh, there's no real redeeming value from it. So if you watch it, don't expect to come away with uh, any uh, memory of something that's profound, because it's not. I don't know, though. I think we came upon a, profa- a profundity when we were talking about it before. My favorite scene... I guess we'll have to describe it to anyone listening. You know, he's looking for the potential killer because someone wants to kill the Queen of England, and they're at a baseball game. So he uh, beats up the opera singer that's supposed to sing the national anthem. He goes out there and sings the national anthem, but that's not good enough. So he runs back because the cops are after him, and he beats up an umpire and steals his umpire uniform, and he goes out, and he's, he's the ump. And in my favorite scene... You know, well, it starts off with everyone spitting and grabbing their crotch, which I thought was hilarious as a kid. It's still pretty funny today. (laughs) And then he's behind the plate. The pitcher throws out the pitch. Everyone's looking at him with bated breath, wondering, what is he going to do? He says, strike. And the crowd cheers. And his eyes light up like a Christmas tree. And then he starts wildly gesticulating the next one. Strike. And he moonwalks and he does the splits. And then the third one, he calls it before it even crosses the plate. And we were saying it's kind of an analog for how people behave on the Internet. Like if there's a crowd of people cheering you on, all of a sudden you lean into your behavior. So if you say strike and 50,000 people cheer, he, saw, he noticed that and it changed his behavior. And he started more like wildly gesticulating his strike calls. And then he would call strikes even when it wasn't the pl- the ball hadn't even crossed the plate yet, and I think people do that if they have a position on the internet that outrages people or or causes people to give them them props, uh, they'll lean into that and they'll lean into it whether it's right or not, and they'll try to uh, gradually ramp that up and make it more and more extreme. I think it's kind of a microcosm of uh, if you give someone attention. They'll immediately abuse it, I guess, is the uh, the lesson there. <laughs> yeah, they'll exaggerate it. To, they'll exaggerate it to where 
they get more attention because it's it's not about what they say; it's about the attention they're getting. Mm-hmm. And I think I think uh, that is very common human nature. It's not only human nature for the individual; it's human nature for groups. Uh, and so you will go along with a group because the group's getting attention. And uh, uh, so, uh, the, it, yeah, there are some messages you can take away, but they didn't say it that way. You know, we, we are reading into it. Mm-hmm. It was just it. They just did it to be funny mm-hmm. uh, as a joke. Uh, the whole thing was just one joke after the other. Yeah. Yeah. And the spitting and everything. It wasn't just everyone spit. I yeah, mean, the, even the, the players' wives spit. Yeah, everyone spit. Because baseball players spit and, and grab their crotch. That's just what they do. <laughs> uh, there's a little bit of social commentary in there. Like when he gets fired from the force, and he's cleaning out his desk, and he says, and to think, next time I shoot and kill someone, I could be arrested for it. <laughs> Yeah, there's a little bit of commentary there. But you read into it. You know, he said it to be funny. He didn't say it to really make an impact. Uh, but but I, I guess I'm thinking of I saw the second one, and he's at the White House with George Bush, George H.W. Bush, because it came out in 91 or whatever. And uh, he's getting an award. They're celebrating his 1,000th drug dealer kill. <laughs> and he comes up and he accepts the award. And... Uh, He's like, I got to admit, those last two I just ran over with my car on accident. But, but when we looked at the bodies, it turns out they were drug dealers. So that was nine ninety nine and a thousand, and everyone cheers for him. So it's like, uh, I mean, it's talking about police brutality, I guess it's not really like the focal point of the movie, but it's sort of like, yeah, we're the cops. We can, we can shoot people. We have that authority, and. By sort of making it an absurd thing, you sort of realize, wow, that's kind of true. Next time I kill someone, I'm, I could get in trouble for it. And it's like, that is true if someone's a cop and they get kicked off the force. And when they're a cop, they could kill someone and not get in trouble for it. And that we see that in society. So, yes, it's a joke, but I think there's a little bit of something there. Yeah, and the reason it's funny is because there's some truth in there that uh, people can identify with, which is unfortunate, but again, it's true. Now, do you think the movie gets a bad rap because, uh, or because OJ's in it? You asked me last night, was this before he killed his wife? I'm like, yeah, of course. (laughs) He didn't kill his wife and then they bring him on to be in the movie. But Uh, it's surprising to see him, isn't it? It is, yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, he was a, he was, he did movies, he did commercials, he did everything. And I think what's fascinating is it was long enough ago, you know, 27 years ago that he killed his wife or allegedly killed his wife. Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, but it was, it was long ago, uh, that you forget that the reason why it was the trial of the century is that he was a big star beyond the football field. I mean, they had a lot of lot of names in this movie, which was interesting. Leslie Nielsen, of course, and then, like we, we already said, Priscilla Presley, and I thought she did a good job. Mm-hmm. She, she she did a really good job. 
and Ricardo Montalban and uh, George Kennedy uh, is always good. Uh, I, he, he's always he's always he's a good actor. Mm-hmm. And another one did a did a really good job. They had a lot of they had a Weird Al Weird Al Yankovic in there, David. I, yeah, I like I like Weird Al. <laughs> he's very clever. He's a very he's good too. Very clever. The lady that played the mayor. Are you looking at the cast right now? Yeah, uh, Nancy Marchand. She played Tony Soprano's mom on The Sopranos, and uh-huh. she was great. I kind of yeah. feel like, uh, I mean, I, I think they're all pretty good actors. I think she might be the best actor on the cast, just because of her performance in that other role. Um, she did a great job in this movie. Mm-hmm. They all did really good. They had a really good cast and very, very talented. And OJ did a fine job, too. Of course, a lot of OJ's, a lot of what OJ did was, was, you know, slapstick. Uh, yeah, slapstick. A lot of physical, physical humor. Like he was out and uh, you know, getting pushed around and everything. Yeah, the folding bed, that scene where he gets caught. It reminds me of. Have you ever seen Bad Grandpa? No, I, I didn't see the movie. I know what you're talking about, though. So he's a grandpa. He's in this bed and uh i forget what the the premise is it's a it's a prank movie so these are real people um and he's in this bed and i think they're showing the house or something but he's in a bed it's like oh don't worry that's just him in this bed and the lady's like walking through and she touches something and the bed you know accordions and johnny knoxville is, is he's just like oj his legs are going the wrong way and he's getting sandwiched in this bed and then he stops like oh dear oh dear and then the lady says, oh, my God, I've never been so scared in my life. And Johnny Knoxville, his bad grandpa, was like, hey, lady, let's not make this about you. Because <laughs> he was the one that was just getting sandwiched in the bed. <laughs> no, there's a lot of good actors in this movie. The cast was, was really good. And they did a great job. Mm-hmm. You know, It's just, and it was, again, they had to do a good job in order for the movie to actually play well because the jokes were so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they weren't highbrow jokes, that's for sure. But, no. But there was a lot of them. I think they took the approach that like, if something didn't land, there'd be another joke in 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah. And, and the joke, it didn't become a joke. The joke was really part of the movie. The movie was one joke after the other. And so it, it, that became part of the movie. And like you said, everyone was the straight man. No one acknowledged that anything that hap- that was happening was funny. Yeah. Well, George Kennedy's, uh, he, a lot of times, he would look confused, like, why is he saying that, you know, about the bereaved mom or the bereaved mother or wife, you know, in that scene where he, was, he started saying, oh, well, you know, he was saying <laughs> things that were insensitive. Yeah. You know, D- did and, he have a... Uh, yeah, uh, who did this to him? It could have been anyone, you know, uh, an angry, uh, angry spouse, a gay lover. <laughs> and, yeah. she... and she goes, what? <laughs> and, you know, and George, the George Kennedy's, uh, I guess I've seen it here, Ed Hawkins. George Kennedy was, you know, like, why would you say that? <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. Why would you say that? <laughs> yeah, it In is... other words, just bring, bring up all these things. That just to make uh, the 
was his, his I guess his wife to feel bad. Yeah, Mrs. Norbert. So yeah, Leslie yeah. Nielsen was 62 when the movie was made, and Priscilla Presley was 43. <laughs> That's not the common age for a leading man and a woman. That's true. And of course, they were the leading man and woman in the subsequent movies. Um, and then I, if you click through on Priscilla Presley, you see, because you're like, oh, I didn't see her in much stuff. She really was in those movies, if you look at her filmography. And then she did TV, but the third, Naked Gun, was the last movie she ever did. Hmm. She did Melrose Place, Touched by an Angel, Spin City, but uh, no, no studio movies, all television movies. And I thought, I did think she was good. Yeah, I think she did a great job. She, I, she was a good actress. You wonder, I don't know, you speculate like... Why didn't she get more work? Maybe she didn't want to. I mean, I'm sure she's pretty wealthy. So, like, working. And also, why did she choose Naked Gun? <laughs> I I thought of that, too, when I first saw her uh, in the movie. Like, why would she choose to do this? Uh, but maybe that's her personality. Maybe she enjoyed uh, the slapstick stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe she has more of a comedian in her than... than because I think cause she has the genre of Elvis Presley's wife, so that's she probably never could. Uh, when you think of Priscilla Presley, the first thing you think of is Elvis Presley, mm-hmm. uh, which is unfortunate. Uh, that's that's too bad because each person has their own talent, and so maybe she's the uh, uh, there's more comedy in her than than you than you expect that you would know, and. Uh, and she did a good job. She did. I mean, she, she was serious when it was serious. And her seriousness was allowed to be funny. And so she, like she set up, to be a comedian, uh, you got to set up the joke well. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think she I think she set it up well. Of course, Leslie Nielsen has a persona that is funny. Yeah, his timing is very good. Leslie Nielsen. It is. No, he gets, he gets, he gets comedy. Comedy is really very, very interesting. Uh, you have to know what you're doing. You can't just. It's not a. It's not a. Uh, it's not that easy to do. Uh, it's a. It's about what you're saying. It's about your audience. It's about timing. Uh, it's tricky. It's very. It's very difficult. So I'm looking at the numbers here. This is the 1,539th most popular movie on IMDb. <laughs> it's not bad. It's in the top. 1,600. <laughs> what was it again? 1,000 and what? 1,539. Uh, it's, yeah. Well, it's in the top 1,540th movie. movie. <laughs> so it got a meta score from Metacritic of 70, 76. So 7.6 on IMDb. I want to just go and take a look at the second one because I watched the second one recently and it's not as good at all. Naked Gun 2.5. Oh, 6.9. Nice. I would not so, rank, rank it that high. Why Why is this such a good movie? Now, for you, it was nostalgic, but was it because it was so shocking that someone would write a, a movie like this, you know? And so the shock, the shocking element was like, oh, that, that was pretty funny. But then the second one is like, oh, been there, done that, and so it's not as funny? I think so. And I also think... 
because of how old I am, Top Secret and Airplane, they're before my time. So I didn't see those. Top Secret, that's, that's the Zucker Brothers' first, or Kentucky Fried Movie came out and Airplane came out before I was born. And I was like an infant when Top Secret came out. Now, when Naked Gun came out, I was older, old enough to have seen it. I don't know if we rented it from the movie theater. I mean, rented it from King Supers or Movie Merchants, our video rental place. Or I, I know I didn't see it in the theater. But I remember as a kid, the, especially the umpire scene where he's dancing around doing the moonwalk, I'm laughing my head off. I thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. Um, and what was it rated? Was it PG or PG-13? I think I was in elementary school, like, you know, less than 10 years old. And you guys let me watch a PG-13 movie. So I thought that also made it cool, you know. Uh, in my eyes sort of lit up wide, like, whoa, this is... Uh, you know, not, I'm not used to seeing this. This is PG-13. But, uh, so there's a nostalgia factor. But also, it's kind of like when you come to a band uh, and you haven't heard their first couple albums, but you really like the third album. Because, I mean, you know, that's when you discover them. And you're like, man, I love that third album. And their diehard fans are like, no, you got to listen to the first one. You know, you got to see Airplane. And you go back and you listen to it. And it's like, but it doesn't hit as hard as it did for them. Because your entrance point is the third movie they made, or the fourth movie, I guess. Um, that's the first thing I saw. And you sort of understand the band when you, when you listen to that album. And that's sort of your framework for how you conceive the band. It's the same with this movie. These Zucker Brothers parody comedies. My framework for how I conceive them is The Naked Gun, because that's the first one that I saw. And that could be why the second and third one wasn't as wasn't as funny as you thought mm -hmm. they should be, because you're expecting the same kind of uh, entertainment as the first one, and it was the same thing. It wasn't different. It wasn't more. Yeah. They're like, can we do another plot? I, th I forget what it is. So the first one's the Queen of England. I think the second one's the President. It's George Bush. Someone's trying to kill him. Let me see the synopsis of the second one. Uh, but it's... The same thing. He has to prevent someone important from being harmed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then I don't remember the third one. I don't even think I'll watch it. Well, trying to protect Queen Elizabeth II uh, was clever, too. You know, because why is she over here for, and why is she at a baseball game? Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and why are we the only ones protecting her? Why doesn't she have people over here protecting her? And uh, That alone, uh, and also the Queen of England, that was kind of a far-fetched kind of a thing. So everything in the movie was 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 uh, well done, was well-designed, well-written, and well-conceived. Stupid and silly, but it kind of made sense. Well, it made sense because it was stupid. Mm -hmm. You know, you can, you can be silly and say, that's not that silly. Uh, oh, well, that's so ridiculous that it, that it works. Yeah. It's like there's a line, and if you cross the line, it's silly. But if you drive 100 miles past the line, then it becomes funny again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, there's yeah. like a, there, here's here's clever on the left, here's dumb on the right, and there's a line between clever and dumb. 
But if you go to the dumb side, just on the dumb side, you're like, that was dumb. But if you keep going, the dumb becomes clever again. It's so dumb <laughs> that that's, that's what's clever. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's fa- I think a lot of things are like that. You I, think, li- I, think the word, I think the word term is doubling down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you double down on it. It's kind of like, kind of like in the movie. He goes, "Strike, yeah!" They yell and scream. You know, <laughs> they go, "Oh, well, if that works, watch this." Yeah, <laughs> he starts doing his all kinds of. He does the moonwalk. He does the splits. He does all kinds of break dance moves, and <laughs> and everyone just screams and yells. So you double down. You double down, you go for it. And I think you're right. I think you're right. And uh, so the the movie was was entertaining. And I think if I guess would you recommend this movie and who would you recommend it to? I would I would say uh, if no one has seen a movie like this and uh, they like to laugh at ridiculous things, then um, to not recommend it, you know, but don't expect a serious movie. Yeah. Uh, I think anyone could really enjoy it. I don't know. Maybe it's a, there's a soft spot for it. But I don't think that the, the humor itself, there is some sexual humor, just mild political humor, mostly just slapstick, uh, pratfalls and, you know, people getting hurt. Um and double entendres, you know? Like when he's in the office and it's like, uh, Cuban? He's like, no, I'm French. I'm Dutch-Irish. It's like, it's dumb. <laughs> My father was from Wales. Uh, just sort of, you know, misinterpreting people. So I don't think that, like, if you showed it to just about anyone, I don't think they'd be offended by the humor. Uh, and a lot of comedies from the 80s, I think they would offend people with today's sensibilities. Uh, because, I mean, people always say you couldn't make Blazing Saddles today because of the racial stuff. And it's like, that's true. But why would you make Blazing Saddles today? Blazing Saddles exists when Blazing Saddles was made. And uh, I I could watch Blazing Saddles and still think it's funny, but I could see where people would be sensitive about some of the, the humor in it. This, I don't think... I think unlike Blazing Saddles, which cuts a little bit more to the core I don't think this one really does anything that would terribly offend a viewer with with modern sensibilities you see what I'm saying how everyone is very uh, triggered these days and I don't think the naked gun confronts an issue in a way that would trigger someone so I think that just about anyone could watch it and find humor in it I think the only people who uh, would not enjoy it and would not find it funny is uh, people who are very are, are too serious. You know, everything is is way way serious, and that they don't they don't go to just laugh at something silly. Mm-hmm. Uh, some some people are that way, you know, and uh, don't be silly because I don't like it and. Uh, uh, if you allow yourself to laugh and take it for what it is, grain of salt, and 
just uh, go go with the flow, and I think you can really enjoy it because mm-hmm. there's it's not deep at all. No, it's definitely not deep. It reminds me of uh, my band, Your Dad's Butthole. <laughs> we uh, released an album, and our guitarist is like, "Yeah, I work with this guy, and he's he's a real jerk." Like, but we work in the same office, and w- when the album was done, I was excited about it. So I'm like, hey, do you want to hear this band, my band's album that we just finished? And so I played it for him, and he had this disgusted look on his face the whole time. I was like, what do you think? He's like, I don't get it. He's like, yeah, but didn't you think the songs were funny? And his coworker was like, maybe if you're 12. <laughs> and I thought that was great. Because <laughs> it's like, yeah, if you are 12, you would find those songs funny. And some people, they think that they're so mature or sophisticated that they can't enjoy something they thought was funny when they were 12 today. But I think that there's a, a childlike quality that's good about seeing something you enjoyed when you were 12 and saying, that's still funny. It's silly, and it's not my favorite movie, but I can still find the humor in it. People who allow themselves to laugh at that humor, I think, uh, cannot take themselves too seriously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I think it, I think it's a good measure of like, you know, take it easy. You know, life isn't isn't all serious. Uh, you can be funny, you can laugh, and laugh is, laughter is good. I remember uh, Mike Myers. Uh, he was interviewed once, and uh, someone asked him about his humor. And he says, "Oh, it came from my dad." He said, "My dad would laugh at anything." He said, "Because my dad would say." Uh, you would laugh at anything because he says what's important is not what you're laughing at. What's important is that what for you to laugh. I don't think he said that, but that was the that was the implication. Like uh, he'll say something really silly because you could make you laugh, and making you laugh is good. Uh, laughter is good. Laughter is healthy, and uh, so if you're allowing yourself to laugh, don't take yourself too seriously. You can enjoy the movie. Yeah, I think that some people do take themselves too seriously. What would you rather do? watch for an hour and 25 minutes, for 85 minutes of your time, it doesn't really ask that much, to just sort of not pretend like you're the most sophisticated person in the universe. Just sort of go with it. And then you'll enjoy yourself. Or you could say, this is stupid. I'm not going to, you know, uh, I'm not going to accept this. Yeah. Um, What am I doing? What am I doing, Mikey? I'm looking at my screen here. Uh-huh. And I'm really grainy. Yeah, it's a connection issue, I think. Yeah. Well, I think we covered in full uh, and really solved the world's problems by talking about the naked gun. <laughs> and we, I think it's enough. And yeah. we have uh, 40 minutes. I mean, there's not that much to talk about. It's, uh, it's not that complicated of a movie so i'm uh, i just shared you another link on chat oh yeah um science we could talk about this because it does have something to do with a movie so it ties in i saw this story yesterday and i found it absolutely fascinating um russia's dyatlov pass incident let me share my screen um Yeah. Uh, 
I've got to do it this way. Bizarre deaths of hikers at Russia's Dyatlov Pass have inspired countless conspiracy theories. But the answer may lie in an elegant computer model based on surprising sources. That's very, very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, just showing people the... Some the reason. article? Yeah, just this, this is from National Geographic. I found this fascinating. Um, we can go through... I haven't even read this article, but I just heard the story yesterday, and I found it fascinating, so I thought maybe we could talk about it. Yeah. Um, the elegant computer model. Do you know what it's based on? Do you remember when I told you? <laughs> kind of, yeah. It's based on, guess what movie? Uh, I don't remember the movie. Frozen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Frozen. The movie Frozen. I went and looked at uh, the avalanches. Yeah. So, uh, just a little background. In 1959... And I might get some of these details wrong because I'm not going to read the article on the podcast. But um, 10 experienced mountaineers went into the mountains. One of them got a, a joint injury and turned around. Um, the other nine were found later uh, and they were brutalized. Some of them had no clothes on. Some of them had limbs ripped off. One of them had their tongue ripped out. Um and no one knows what really happened to him. And, of course, this birthed a thousand conspiracy theories. Was it a Yeti? Was it the KGB? Who, who knows what happened to these people? But they shouldn't have died because they were experienced mountaineers. And yet, um, they passed away. And Russia did an inquiry uh, 60 years later or whatever, because this happened in 1959, in 2018, they said, we think it was uh, uh, avalanche. And of course, Russia being Russia, the people of Russia said, oh, that's the government for you. Just flat out lying to us. And then <laughs> um, scientists, they said, let's take a look at this. And they combined two sources. One was a scientist was watching Frozen, the 2013 Disney movie. And he saw that the way that the snow behaved in Frozen was so lifelike that he traveled to Hollywood. And he said, I want to see your 3D computer graphics models. Because 3D models are often based on actual physics. Uh, and the models were some of the best he'd ever seen. So he said... Maybe I can take these models and modify them in my avalanche research. And those are, those are finite, David, those are finite element models. Mm -hmm. So the finite element, you say within each element, you can model the physics, uh, and those physics put together will actually model an actual uh, physical event. And they use that in all different kinds of applications of uh, 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 force, uh, well, force and movement. Mm -hmm. And... I guess that's that's cool, but what's cool is that this guy that's a scientist, he sees uh, he sees Frozen, and he can immediately say, yes, there are teams of dedicated researchers doing physical modeling in the university sphere. And these teams might even have a grant of $100,000 and 10 people working on this. But Disney 
has hundreds of millions of dollars and hundreds and hundreds of the most talented computer animators in the world working for them. So I'm not going to say, it just because it's Disney, I'm not going to give it credence. I'm going to say, this looks better than what we do, and go in and ask him how they did it and use it for science. And so he used the frozen physical snow modeling, uh, and then he used uh, GM research from the 70s. And I'll take this quote here from the article. In the 70s, General Motors took 100 cadavers and broke their ribs, hitting them with different weights at different velocities to see what would happen in a car crash. Um, So they used the results of the GM cadaver research, this macabre, let's see how hard we can thrash these dead human bodies, and the modeling, and they determined that a 16 square foot, 16 foot long block of ice could have been resting in the snow above the campsite. And that it would have been no bigger than a big SUV. And it could have done all this damage. And so I just thought it was fascinating that this guy sees this movie, he's an avalanche researcher, and he says, wow, their physical modeling is better than ours. Then he combines it with research that GM did in the 70s to see how will car crashes affect the human body. And he uses it to solve, or potentially solve, some people won't accept it, you know, but one of the greatest adventure mysteries of the 20th century. What happened to the people in the Dyatlov Pass? And he says, hey, for once, the Russian government wasn't lying to you. Uh, We independent scientists think it was an avalanche, just like they did. Fascinating, huh? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Very interesting. And uh, the point is, back in 1959, uh, I see here February... February 26, 1959, when this uh, happened, and after they went back and found them later, uh, you can have all the different theories and stories. Uh, and, uh, and it says that the uh, conspiracy stories, conspiracy theories, were pretty bizarre uh, on what happened, like animals or, or some ridiculous stories. And it's very interesting that that's the first place that humans go. Uh, they want to explain things that are ridiculous or mm-hmm. that are that are unnatural uh, instead of natural. Yeah. And uh, as it turns out, uh, most things can be explained with just natural phenomenon. Uh, it is truly a phenomenon. It didn't expect you didn't expect that to happen, but uh, it can be explained. Yeah. I mean, the fact that there would be that size of a ball of ice right above their campsite and that the avalanche would have been triggered that evening is like losing the lottery in the in reverse. It's like winning the lottery right. in reverse. But still, natural things can't explain it. One thing, like you're saying, is I heard a conspiracy theorist researcher uh, make a really good point that I'd never heard before. And it was John F. Kennedy, the Kennedy assassination, birthed. Mm-hmm hundreds or thousands of conspiracy theories. And when Reagan was shot by John Hinckley Jr., there's no conspiracy theories about that. And what's interesting is when a president dies, when the outcome is that a president dies, 
people have a hard time dealing with the explanation they're given for that. That there was a gunman in the school book repository. There's no way that one man in a school book repository could have killed Kennedy. Was it the CIA? Was it the Cubans? Was it the mob? With John Hinckley Jr., they say this was a crazy uh, guy that shot Reagan. But he lived. And everyone says, it was a crazy guy that shot Reagan. No one is fishing for conspiracy theories because Reagan lived. And it's fascinating that outcomes uh, influence your ability to conjure up reasons. So if the... Uh if the outcome spawns, outcome spawns conspir conspiracy theories. Yes, like the magnitude of the outcome has to, the, the magnitude of the explanation has to equal the magnitude of the outcome. When sometimes it's just an avalanche. Yeah, and, and that's not that exciting. Uh, you have to have something really exciting when the outcome is, is significant. That's a very good point. I like that point. That's probably true. And that's kind of like that's kind of like uh, human nature. Uh, human nature has to has to have that equality in there. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily true. Something very simple uh, could result in something significant. Uh, that's just life. Life uh, uh, life doesn't have rules. You know, and I was thinking about the other day, like like. Uh, along these lines, you like you think when you're a child, uh, when you're a child, uh, you know you're you're taught uh, you be good, and good things will happen to you, you know, and if you're bad, then you will be you will be there are consequences of of being bad, mm -hmm. and so good results in good and bad results in bad. That's kind of the implication, uh, and life is not that way. You know, well, if you have this this horrific event, there has to be a horrific reason for it. Uh, and that's not necessarily true. And uh, and uh, life is not that way either, because you could do everything right. And then have a horrific event, mm -hmm. <laughs> a, a horrific consequence, you know, and uh, that's just that's life. And I think that. Uh, I think it's important to uh, to teach our children good and bad and good has a reward and bad is going to have consequences. Uh, it's good to teach children that, but it's also good to teach children that life also is not necessarily that way all the time. And I think I prepare them when they get older, uh, especially in their teenage years. And that's why a teenager feels invincible because they've been taught that whatever you do, uh, I'm going to make it good for you. That's not life. Mm -hmm. And so, and so this life here, I'm, I'm seeing the the picture that you gave me here. It's that's really bad. All those people died. Uh, there must have been something horrible happened. It was just one little event that was just uh, they uh, they won the lottery in reverse, like you said. Yeah. And that those things do happen. Here's the pull quote. I'll show it. People don't want it to be an avalanche. It's too normal. <laughs> that basically says it all, right? Yeah, it does. It does. And that, that's sad. I mean, it's difficult. But also the, the strange 
the strange situation surrounding it. You know, these were experienced mountaineers. Why were their clothes ripped off? Why, you know, were they missing limbs? And it's like this, uh, I don't know. I think you see, because we're inundated these days with people, when outcomes don't go their way and the outcome is has magnitude, they'll start concocting explanations that have equivalent magnitude on the other side. But sometimes it's just an avalanche. You know, sometimes you just lost. <laughs> like Yogi Berra said. Uh, let's find those quotes again. Like we said yesterday. <laughs> uh, Go Yogi. Let's find it. I like this one. I, I, I never heard this. I tell the kids, somebody's got to win, somebody's got to lose. Just don't fight about it. Just try to get better. Yeah. There you go. You know, sometimes yeah. you you think that your loss has a great magnitude. Uh, so you say, we didn't lose. It was a conspiracy. But maybe you just lost. Maybe that's the explanation. Sometimes things happen randomly. Just don't try to find a reason for it. It's just it's just random occurrences. Uh, uh, sometimes life will just happen. Life is, and don't try to find. Oh, if I had done this, I could have prevented that. I could have done it. Sometimes it's just going to happen, regardless of what you do. Like the story about Neil Armstrong. Do you remember that story? Um, there's a lot of stories. When they're training for uh, the Apollo missions, he was flying this test. Uh, aircraft to practice lunar module landings and one of the thrusters went out and it crashed to the ground and it was a million dollar aircraft experimental aircraft and he crashed it and uh, he amazingly was safe he could have died and they took him back to mission control in Houston or wherever the hell they were doing this and he had to fill out paperwork because he just crashed you know, millions of dollars worth of government equipment. So he's sitting there filling out the paperwork. And a fellow astronaut comes in and says, Hey, Neil, how's it going? He's like, pretty good. He's like, how's your day? He's like, okay. And the guy goes into the break room. So you just saw Neil out there. They're like, did you hear what happened to him? He almost died in a crash today. He'd already moved on. Uh, <laughs> he wasn't going to dwell on the fact that he almost died in a crash. Uh, he was going to move on because he didn't die in the crash. So, you know, why let that little fact that you almost died dominate your day because you got more day to live <laughs> you, like, you have to take what's coming next you can't dwell on what happened just happened i think that's kind of a good it's a funny story that's good it's kind of like maturity is it is what it is take it move on uh don't dwell on it and sometimes that's uh probably i don't know i'm not a psychologist it's a, it's a form of uh, human maturity uh, to understand that uh, bad things will happen and so just move on mm-hmm. yep just just try to get better you may win you may lose whatever happens you know don't worry about it don't complain about it just move on just and get to, better just try to get better just try to get better that's so true to me that's maturity that's that's the maturity of the great philosopher of the 20th century, Yogi Berra. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's a good place to stop for the day. We I solved so. all the world's problems by talking about the naked gun. Who would have thought it was possible? Who would have thought? So let's see here. I'll play. Uh, 
some, sometimes, David, it's just good to laugh. Uh-huh. I, you know, the naked gun, don't try to, uh, I, before we leave, I want to say, from the naked gun, don't try to look at this movie and say, oh, uh, there's some redeeming value. Uh, uh, there's a reason why I'm watching it is because I'm learning something. And it's a, It's just to make you laugh, and that's all it is. Don't read any more into it than it is. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's good to laugh. Just let yourself go and just laugh. That's stupid. And just laugh. <laughs> and don't try to read into it and move on. Uh, move on. I'm yeah. seeing your, your, your screen here. We're going to play the theme song one more time. Okay. <laughs> It was time for Movie Tuesday, but it's not anymore. This is the end of the episode. Um, yeah, sometimes it's just good to laugh. Yep. And, you know, anyone who would watch The Naked Gun and say, that's an hour and a half of my life I'll never get back, they just need to be reminded that, you know, your wedding day or the birth of your children, that's also an hour and a half you'll never get back. Every hour and a half of your life is an hour and a half you'll never get back. So you got to enjoy every single hour and a half of your life or you'll end up missing it, right? That's right. That's right. So do you have anything so you want to say? So the Sons of Sequoia uh, podcast, uh, I just want to leave everyone with say, hey, uh, keep on talking, but listen more than you talk. All right. That sounds great. Uh, we'll see you in the next one. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.